Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Tech Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you listened to previous episodes, listened. And uh, if this is your first time, welcome. If you enjoy this episode or this podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It does help quite a bit. It's just a nice thing to do. Uh, as well as leave a positive review on Spotify. Um, you can also listen to this on several other p- platforms, including um, Google Podcasts as well, so same thing. Um, on Spotify, I believe you can uh, leave a response. So I can leave a question with each episode, and you can respond there. So you can comment, or you can just leave general comments or questions. Uh, or feedback, and I certainly appreciate all of that. Folks have been able to do that, and it's it's wonderful. I've even received some um, voice recordings, so somehow you can leave me a voice recording through, uh, I guess, Spotify or Anchor. Um, and it's very cool. It's, it's heartwarming, and I, I truly appreciate those things. Uh, we're here to talk about minimalism and technology and how those things uh, interact and really just sort of my journey for through simplifying, generally speaking. And the thing I want to discuss today is there is this fable or, you know, tale that everyone seems to know, which is basically the, the tortoise and the hare. The idea being that the, you know, the tortoise just kept moving forward and the hare just like sped up and realized like, that they were going to win this race. They were, you know, if you don't know the story, I'd be shocked. Um, but the tor- the hare basically gets cocky and stops and takes a nap, and then the, the slow tortoise wins the race. I think that's... Um, it's okay. <laughs> and perhaps maybe I've just never read the original text... I think that there's a lesson there, but I don't think that it's very clearly communicated, um, certainly in my remembrance of it. Perhaps I should go check it out. I think there's a lot of fables that have been severely watered down for consumption by younger folks uh, in schools and things like that, and perhaps have lost much of their meaning in an attempt to make something more sort of friendly and accessible. So what I want to discuss is uh, this idea that I I think I would think of this sort of fable-ish idea differently. I do think that generally speaking, going slow is often the way to go fast. (laughs) And if we try to go too fast which we often do, we feel like we're racing for everything, then it can actually slow us down to an extreme amount. But the caveat about this, and the thing that I want to differentiate differentiate uh, about this sort of story is that the key to me is that or the trick of slowing effectively is not simply like 
just to slow down everything that you're doing. Because if you're doing too many different things and your attention is this way and that, you know, forwards and backwards and every other direction, slowing down, you know, could help you get some perspective. But the real key, in my opinion, is to narrow your focus, like to to have a an extremely narrow scope. Meaning, if we try to do too many different things, and this includes just the things that take up our attention, it's not just career or job or goals, it's also just the things that we consume. And if we're consuming too many things, and we're trying to do too many different things too quickly, and we're focusing on trying to get results as quickly as possible, with a wide scope, meaning there's too many, too much variety, too many different things you're trying to accomplish at once. Generally speaking, it's sort of a recipe for extreme stress and simply just not having any time, you know, if, if you, you know, and being in, in feeling like you're underwater and also feeling like you're constantly chasing and you're constantly behind um, and that you just can't quite get over the hill you can't you know quite relax you don't have time like you would like to to relax and have balance so to me if I look at that the rabbit in the 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 turtle the, the way that I would describe the rabbit or the hare is that it's not just going in a straight line. Like if they're racing from start to finish and it's a straight line, what the rabbit's actually doing is he's trying to do all this stuff. So he's like sort of zigzagging his way to the finish line. Because like the tortoise's goal is to get from point A to point B. The quickest way that... that it can but the hare's goal is to accomplish as many different things as possible and along the way as a part of reaching that goal so the the, the rabbit's goal is not to just simply reach the finish line it's, it's not simply to reach point B it's to reach point a1 a2 a3 a4 a5 a6 a seven, a eight, a nine, which are all not directly along the path. They're, it takes the rabbit off the path in many different directions. And take all of that, and and if they're able to achieve, you know, a one through a ten or a twenty, whatever, then they, once they reach point B, they'll be satisfied. The problem with the the hair is that simply reaching point B is not enough. It doesn't feel like enough. It feels like it's just such an easy accomplishment or it's something that they feel like they can do for whatever reason. And so they they, they have this feeling of like that it it's not simply enough for me to just 
go to point B and call it a day. Like I have to prove myself in different ways by taking on other responsibilities, by taking on other projects, by having different interests, by, you know, doing as many different things as is like that the, the hair is interested in and feels sort of some some level of obligation to achieve in order to have satisfaction of reaching point B. And this can show up in a lot of different ways. So I was recently listening to a interview with one of the creators of many games, including Wolfenstein and, and Doom and, and others. And um, he what was really interesting is that he was explaining that by the time he created the game Doom, and this is um, his name is uh, is it John Romero? I, Romero is certainly the last name, and I apologize if I get that wrong. John Carmack's the other sort of creator of Doom. If you don't know what this is, it's like hugely um, popular game for its time, but also, you know, just expands further than that. So, like, for example, John Carmack has worked on several things, including VR. Like, he's one of the primary developers that's enabling virtual reality experiences. So these are, like, well-known programmers who have been sort of rock stars in the industry for a long time. But was was interesting about Mr. Romero is that by the time he created Doom, which is the game that even to this day, even though the game came out 20-plus years ago, 30 years ago or something, he's most known for that game. But that was not his first game. That was like his 87th game or some, something like that. So what's interesting to me is that he didn't just start programming and try to make Doom right away, right? Like, <laughs> he didn't do that. What he did was simply learn some skill and apply it and then make a game with just that one skill and then move on to the next one and then add another little skill, another little thing that he learned and then finish that and then move on to the next thing and on and on and on. So it's like it's a way of developing skill that creates momentum and and confidence and all these things. Um, and so like by the time again you you he gets to this well-known game, it's like he already has this very large body of work. So it's the difference like between like really what he's just trying to do is make games. So, you know, Doom, whatever, like that was just like another game. It was just another, like the next game to make based on his previous skill and adding a couple, you know, adding something new and then doing that. So where folks can potentially get stuck is they, they set the bar in their head so high like, I'm going to learn to program, and I want to make something like Doom. And if they don't get there, even if they've gone to A1, A2, A3, you know, they've learned the skills of, like, a, a lot of skill along the way. 
but they don't learn enough skills to get to this like their actual the goal that they've set for themselves in their head which is this you know it's, it's nothing wrong with having huge goals it's just sort of getting distracted by not just programming and wanting to make a game but they're probably also in this example they're also just doing a lot of other things right they, maybe they're there's several different career goals that they have. There's just a lot of like going back and forth and and spreading themselves too thin by having too much distraction and consuming too much content and all of these things. So what I'm trying to explain is that it's easy to move too fast towards goals. It's easy to expect results Expect too many results too soon. That's kind of what I mean. I was trying to explain with that example. If you're focused too much on this idea in your head of what the result will be, it's easy to get lost and frustrated. And even though you're accomplishing a lot of things, like you just don't get there. Whereas like the way that they actually made that game was not really about that at all. Like they did have an idea of what they wanted it to be but they were very realistic about what they could include reasonably in in a game to release it on time and you know in a short period of time then adding all the stuff that they wanted to originally include like their their original vision for what they wanted to accomplish is very different from what they actually released like the, the game is much simpler than what they actually wanted to do they were able to focus and, and you know, Mr. Romero here was like able to focus down on very core elements of what this game was. Like, so they started out wanting it to be like, have all these different features. But when they realized like, actually like this one feature is the most enjoyable feature, let's remove all the other features and really just focus on this primary feature and make that great. And that's what it ended up being. It ended up being something very different than their original vision. But it wasn't, so it wasn't like if, if he had held on to that original vision too strongly, then one of the greatest games or most popular games ever made would have never been released, right? Like if, if he had the mindset of this is not good enough unless I include this feature and this feature and this feature and this feature, then it would not have been released, right? There's this thing about like sort of accomplishing goals that you have to sort of be aware, be aware and sort of wary of these sort of like self-binding contracts that you can make right so like with your original goal and your original vision of what you're trying to accomplish if you're too focused on what you think it's going to turn out as and what you've set for yourself to achieve then you may never accomplish it because 
like at some point you'll realize that the scope is too broad, it's too wide, but you'll feel so, so, so much responsibility for all of the things that you sort of promised yourself about what that goal would be like. You, you're unable to let go of them in order to actually focus down the way that you need to and you know you need to to truly sort of break through and accomplish the, the you know a, a very a goal so so part of this um, letting go process is about and is about narrowing the scope but how you do it is 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 difficult and challenging and it's it's like a muscle to build that's where minimalism was like a good reference and starting point for this journey that I'm on. And because it, it allowed me to really just sort of focus on small things at a time. Sock drawer, t-shirt drawer, etc., etc., etc. And then now I'm much more in the realm of of looking at the responsibilities that I've created for myself, that I've placed upon myself, either accepting from others or simply just, even without saying it, just, just taking on that responsibility. And <laughs> for me, it's, it's like what's, there's a great deal of pressure where I'm recognizing like even more that if I'm just breaking down how much time I have in a day, I just don't have time for everything. So it's, it's in it, and my, my scope is too, is still too wide. It's still too broad. And I know some areas that I can let go of, which will narrow my scope, make me that much more effective make me that much less stressed, right? Make it easier to accomplish things. But what's holding me back from letting go of some of these things, I'm doing it sort of slowly, but it's like very emotionally difficult because there's this idea of this sort of contract, this bond of I said I was going to do this thing, therefore I must accomplish this thing. Uh, by, you know, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take me, whatever. And this is a, a dangerous place to be in terms of overwhelming yourself. Because this is why I love this, like, example of how they made the, this greatest game ever. Like, they, you know, or whatever, this really popular game, is they did have that vision. They did a, a start out by saying, we're going to have this, 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 you know, a1 through A20 is going to be in this game. And then they realized at some point, oh, actually, you know, we can have A1 through like A3 or something like that, right? And instead of like, instead of feeling bad about the things that you're getting rid of, it's it's just the the recognition of it. So there's, there's something to, to sort of process and deal with about these sort of... Um, unspoken contracts that we have with ourselves and with others you know or we've said we're going to do something 
um, what's also interesting about this too is is that it's easy to like a lot of the things sort of coming back to things that we have the the things that we find difficult to let go of sometimes and I, sometimes they are they are just a representation of something that was really positive for us during our life and usually that's involved with like some other person even if you didn't have a really strong connection or relationship with that person maybe someone that you just met briefly or whatever it was it's like there was some sort of um kindness or some positive association there about that specific thing right like you were traveling but it wasn't just about the traveling it was like about, about the people and the positive experiences so i'll give you an example i have a what I've now narrowed down to is essentially a box of Palm Pilot stuff. I've made some videos on my YouTube channel about this. Um, I was I went through this whole period where I basically was able to acquire most of these really popular Palm Pilots, were, which are these handheld devices that are basically, they predate smartphones. And so I could see the evolution of how how literally the technology that eventually became smartphones evolved by literally using each device and you could see like you know the screen qualities get better with each version and sort of you can see them playing around with the user interface and with the like the actual button layouts to, right and how the users are using the device but also based on what technology was available at the time so, which is always, this is a thing, right? The One of the things that I, I like to think about with the iPhone as an example, they have these events once a year, a few times a year, where they'll announce new products. And, you know, usually like there's, I don't know if it's once a year or whatever, but the, whenever they announce a new iPhone, then there's all this hype and excitement about like you know how what's different about it does the screen different does it have different cameras um you know does it have more memory or whatever whatever like there's there's all this sort of like buzz and marketing speak that comes around that device but and in, in a way it's just basically they're moving forward based on what's available sort of in the supply chain right like if like people who make the screens for an iPhone are constantly trying to make a better screen and they're refining their manufacturing process and improving their manufacturing process and then they sort of you know they they, they create this efficiencies in that process and then at some point like they make a better version of that and so it's kind of like you know, if you're going to create a phone, you go to the this supply chain, sort of like, quote unquote, phone store. And you're like, oh, well, if we get, you know, this is the these screens cost X dollars and these last version screens cost X dollars. Right. 
And these brand new ones cost like X, you know, like even more, whatever I'm saying. They're all going to have a price for them. So when you're like a large company, you're going to evaluate those things and say, well, we really like the new phone, the new screen version, but it's it's too expensive. It's going to cut into our, you know, profit margins. And, you know, this current screen is now much cheaper because the manufacturing process has become that much more efficient. And actually, like, because the technology in some other component has gotten better, that will actually increase, like, battery life for the user. So we can, we can sell this as an improvement as opposed to having the newer screen, which maybe has the same battery life, and but it costs more, whatever, you know? And you can sort of make decisions on, like, when you want to upgrade each component for something like a phone or a computer. And, you know, so it's like, it's the same thing. It's not like, it's not just about trying to make the best phone ever. Like, I think when we set goals, like, we get confused about that. It's not, it's not about that. It's about making the right thing at the right price point. And there was, there's always going to be this narrowing of focus that needs to occur. Sometimes it's driven by numbers. Sometimes it's driven by other things. But there's always going to be things that get cut out, that get narrowed down, you know, that in products that work well. Uh, and sort of sacrifices that need to be made, all this sort of thing. So that you, can, you can see this sort of pattern in, like, successful companies and people who are able to sort of create a lot of stuff that's interesting and sort of achieve their goals. It's just that when they release something, you don't know what their original goal was until 20, 30 years later, right? So like, so it's it can get confusing of like, oh, well, I thought this goal was to do the best that I possibly could where, of course, like everyone is sort of striving for that. I'm not saying don't do your best. That's not the point. It's it's that if you're too focused on the future and you're too focused on like, well, I really have to have the best screen, you know, like the newest, newest, newest screen technology. And but maybe if if Apple did that as an example, then that technology is not necessarily tested that well. So maybe they're going to have issues that they don't foresee with that screen. Or again, like the cost is going to you know, make the phone that much more expensive, then people can't afford it as much, they're having a worse experience with it, etc., etc. So it's it's really a process of I guess changing mindset a bit. Especially if you've like for me, I think I grew up in an environment where like your word is very, very important. Like, if you say you're going to do something, you better do that thing. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. You know, like, if you make a promise, like, you keep that, period. It's just sort of the glue of the society and sort of the, you know, system that I, I think I grew up in. And certainly there's a lot of value in that. But 
it's something that can get out of hand, especially if you're not able to identify the things that you're not able to to do, right? So like someone could have a amazing word, you know, like what they say they're going to do, they do it. But what has to go along with that is them saying what they're not going to do, right? So just as much as they say, okay, yeah, I'll do that for you. They're also going to say probably a hundred more times, no, there's a thing that I'm not going to do. Like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Nope, not touching that. Nope, I don't have time for this. Sorry, no, no, no. And if you're perfect at that, then congratulations, okay? Like, that's a beautiful skill to have. But I'm not sure how many people really have that skill. So what happens is you end up over-promising. And it doesn't have to necessarily be with other people. It could be just promises that you made to yourself about things you're going to do and whatever because you just weren't as good at saying no. And setting limits and, and even just knowing how much capacity that you have, which throughout this whole process, I've recognized like I've vastly overestimated my capacity to take on projects and goals and things and everything else. And so just as I'm paring down the amount of things that I have, I'm having to evaluate some of these things that I, these goals that I've had for myself these sort of promises that I've made and recognize that very sort of painfully that I shouldn't have said I could do that thing or I should have or I should say now if someone asks a new thing I can't do that thing that's a bit that's been a very challenging difficult thing for me and um, particularly, like, it's, it's, it's definitely a core reason why I'm not just sitting here talking to you as, as the successful business owner. You know, I'm talking to you as, a, as a, someone who has a, a job I'm very grateful for, you know. But even the job required me to say no to so many other things. And I have to do that even more in order to really succeed more in that industry that I'm in now. So it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's like, because what's challenging about scope, and there's something called scope creep, that if you are in business or you think about getting into business, is a very real thing. It essentially works like this. You agree to do some project for someone else, right? I'm not sure if you can hear that. There's a car. Sorry about that. You agree to do something for someone else. Let's say it's something that I don't do. Like uh, you hire someone to, um, or, or like let's say you, you remodel kitchens. That's like your, your thing. So someone hires you. You agree, like, hey, okay, I'm going to, you know, redo this kitchen for you. It's going to cost you X dollars, okay? And you're, like, halfway through it, or it doesn't matter how much. You could be 99% done with it. You could be 
two percent done with it you could just have you know just agreed to a price and then all of a sudden the person says like let's say you're you're like almost done right the person comes in to look at the the, the client comes in looks at the kitchen says oh this is really great but you forgot about this thing you forgot to do the sink um i don't know maybe you forgot to do like the plumbing under the sink or something like that right like that's not that's still the old plumbing under the sink like you know i paid you all of this money it may they might not even say that but they'll say you know well can you just you you know can you just make sure that you do the plumbing under the sink and if you're the person whose job it is or business it is to redo kitchens you need to know whether that's in the scope or not and the problem with the scope is like it's very difficult to know what is involved in a project and what's not right if the customer has never hired anyone else before right they they've never paid to have their kitchen redone before so they don't really know what's involved but in their head redoing the plumbing under the sink was involved in this price that they've agreed on and they've already given you a down payment and everything else but you as a contractor who's doing the work and that's your business need to know if that is included or not usually you know like right away but again like what if it's an unspoken thing like you, you didn't specify enough in advance when they when you agreed on a price you didn't say whether or not the sink plumbing was included or not and if in that situation if you feel responsibility like you feel like you promised them that you were going to do redo their kitchen and now that they're asking you this new thing that they, they wasn't talked about specifically you may feel like oh i need to do that well okay well you know it's it's not gonna take me that much longer to do the plumbing under the sink and you know it's it's gonna cut into my profits a bit more than i thought may have to hire some outside plumber to assist with like that piece but you know this person i really like this person and their client and i want to keep uh, some of them happy so therefore i'm going to go ahead and just do the plumbing under the sink but if if this happens just once right like then it could be a pattern of behavior of saying yes to doing things that you did not agree to do in the first place. So this hair running through the woods, zigzagging in all these different ways, could be responding to these type of things. Like they feel some internal responsibility that like every hair who wins this race has to, you know, uh, your uncle didn't just win the race, he, he went to the tree that a mile in the north and then you know did this thing and ran around the tree and then he came back so you know so you should be able to do that or whatever it is i mean you know it's just like it's a really tough thing because what happens if if you say well you know i know i agreed to uh 
to create this, um, to, to, to redo this kitchen for you. But, but I actually didn't agree to do the sink. Like that's actually gonna be extra, you know. I, I can quote you for the job on the sink, it's gonna cost X, Y, Z. Or you can just say like, I actually don't do plumbing. You know, I redo kitchens, I don't redo plumbing. Like that's not my area of expertise and whatever the reason is, but then all of a sudden now you have conflict, right? Now the person's like, they in, they can respond however they re want to respond. And they may be offended. They may think, well, you know, what else is going to, you know, like what, what else am I going to be having to pay for that I didn't think I was going to have to pay for when we agreed on this thing? And then, you know, some people react very negatively to that. And some people are manipulative too. Some people know, they know from the fact, from the beginning that the, the, the plumbing's not included, but they're going to try to get you to do the plumbing, right? And then they may try to feel, make you feel guilty about it. They may shame you about it. There's all sorts of things that they can do. And even if they don't do those things, you can simply just like get stuck in saying, oh man, like, I really can't do that plumbing thing. Um, I don't have time for it. It's not in my scope. I wasn't planning on doing that. That's not really what I do. But if you don't communicate that, if you're avoiding... And by the way, again, this can be just inter all internally. But if in this example, it's external. Like if you're, you're externally like... So you're like... So you just don't tell the person like... Ah, I don't want to do this plumbing, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to do, I'm just not going to redo kitchens anymore. I mean, that's like, that's a real thing, right? Or I'm just not going to work with this customer anymore. Like, there is something about these, this sort of responsibility and these contracts and the underlying feeling that this I'm giving the hair has that they can't simply just win the race they can't just simply go from point A to point B they have to do extra they, they're, they're like feeling some internal lack and therefore they have to do something else right they, they have to like take a nap or they have to like at least give the hair a chance to catch up with them, you know, to make the race interesting or, you know, or they have to do all these other things. So it's, uh, so yes, slowing down makes you move faster in a lot of cases for me, right? Like it's, but it's, what it really is, it's like, First, narrowing the scope and keeping that scope narrow. That's a, that's a skill. That is a serious, serious skill. And if you maybe like, because you may have been raised around people who are really good at doing that and you may end up just doing that naturally. But if you raised, you know, around people who like 
didn't have that skill, you know. It could be a very difficult skill to acquire, or you just didn't, for whatever reason. It could be that, you know, maybe you're, it's not that you were raised, who you were raised around affects this completely, you know. It goes into personality, it goes into, like, all sorts of things. But for whatever reason, if you're going to struggle with that, it's going to be, it's going to make things difficult. So, so it's like, the reason I'm going to this depth is when people say, well, you know, slow down and make sure you just enjoy life, you know, like if you don't, uh, if you don't slow down, you know, um, life's going to pass you by and that sort of thing, like sort of, um, there's an 80s movie about that, uh, with that quote, Ferris Bueller, great movie, if you have not watched it, go watch it, go watch that movie, um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But he has this quote, and it's not a spoiler. It's just something he says about, like, if you don't slow down, you know, like, like something like life moves pretty fast. If you don't slow down, you're, you're going to miss it. And it's, uh, it's a real thing. But it's not, it doesn't really explain it. It's It's not like... Because what are you going to tell somebody? Slow down? Like, hey, slow down. Make sure you take your time in life. It's like, okay, yeah, but that's not really practical advice. So we, so I'm trying to give the greater context around that, which is that even learning things, right? Like I'm, I'm constantly learning in my career. Um, I've talked about this. I, I do software development now. Uh, and I have for now some time. So, but it's constant learning. And if I'm trying to learn stuff too fast or do too many things too quickly, it makes it so much more stressful. And that additional stress and additional lack of time now that I'm trying to do too many things at once, just it slows things down. If I just take my time with a narrower scope, then actually over the same given amount, like if I, you know, one month, if I have one month of like slowly, methodically learning a specific skill, by the end of that month, I'm going to be so much better off than if I was rushing through that month trying to catch up to learn X, Y, Z, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? If I'm just, I'm just instead learning like A, I'm, I'm learning A until, and then I learn when I'm, when I learn A, then I learn B, you know, then I learn C. Within that month, I might actually learn A through Z. But if I'm jumping around from A, you know, X, Y, B, C, G, A, you know, because I'm, I quite learn A yet. So I'm just like learning a little bit about it and then like jumping off to different letters. Then I'm, then that's exactly the scenario I'm talking about. Like by the end of that same month, I'm just going to be stressed, burned out, feel like I'm behind, you know, because you, you, you can, you have to sort of figure out that pace of learning. Um, but you, it's also just like a pacing of life. Like 
I made a purchase recently, and with said purchase, I recognize that I feel a great deal of responsibility for things when I purchase things. So I already had, like, now that I've purchased this thing, now there's all the stuff that this thing needs now. And it's my responsibility to fix all of these things with this thing that I purchased and to improve all of the things with the things I purchased. And if I try to do that all in one month, I'm going to stress myself out. I'm not going to accomplish the things. I'm going to take too much time away from the other things. I'm going to get off balance as opposed to taking my time, giving myself a, a more reasonable time frame to, to like, first of all, really deciding whether or not I really need this thing because I can just let go of the thing and then I don't have the responsibility of it and then I've freed up that much more time and resources. But if I'm going to take it on, I need to be clear about what is my scope with that and what is my time frame, right? So instead of trying to do all of the things to this item that need to be done within a month, again, it's like, well, maybe this month I do A. Give myself extra time. Like, I'm going to do A this month. And because I'm not stressed about the fact that B, C, D, E, G, you know, whatever, everything else is not done yet, and I'm really just focusing on A, then I can actually get that done. And I, I realize that, you know, it, the just accomplishing A does take time and energy and effort and all those things. But what's cool is, if I focus on it that way, once I accomplish A, then I'm done with A. And then I can move on to B. Just like this Romero character, like, he finishes one thing and then moves on to the next. Like, release one game that has one feature and then release a game after you're done with the first one that has that same feature plus one more feature. Right? It's just... And then you have this momentum and sort of flow as opposed to feeling constantly, like, behind. And so for me, I'm doing those things, like narrowing the scope down but also slowing back down part of this too is just like reducing um the amount of learning material that i have like before i talked about like having like i wanted to learn this programming language so i bought all these books and i bought all these uh video um lessons and things right so i have all this material but then i'm jumping from material to material i'm jumping from this tutorial to that tutorial and this book to that book and then like kind of all over the place instead of just going like here let me just get this one book and let me just work my way through that take the time i need to just work through it and give myself time to actually be able to sit down and do that right or if it's a tutorial a video tutorial series like let me go through this one one by one and i may take my time and actually listen as opposed to like what i was doing was like trying to watch these tutorials at like 2x speed you know and then going off and watching videos and then going off and buying new books and you know it's just like a disaster compared to just one thing one thing and accomplishing it 
Because you could also say about like the race between the tortoise and the hare that the way that in my version the way that the tortoise the 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 rabbit gets from point a to point b like the reason he needs to take a nap is because he's going in so many different directions trying to accomplish so many different things before he gets to point b by the time he gets to point b he's exhausted or he may not even get to point b because he's burnt himself out before he even gets there as opposed to the tortoise the turtle who's slowly and methodically taking his time learning what he has to learn you know like he gets to some sort of roadblock figure out how to navigate that without getting overwhelmed without getting frustrated without you know freaking out or without changing direction just sort of slowly you know that there's a tree down in the path right so he's like slowly has to like walk carefully up a branch you know and then slowly back down and then eventually he's like right on the path again and then once he gets to point b once he gets to the end of this race then then he's he's actually has the or it she whatever they they actually has the motivation and the energy to keep going so it's not just like just winning that race it's like call that a goal like he gets to point b and he's like ready to move he's just gonna keep on going to point c and then he's gonna once he accomplishes that he's not even worried about d you know c to d yet he's just gonna get to c taking things one chunk one step at a time so i think that sort of reframing of this story is much more helpful than the way that it is generally explained and there's a lot of like practical use in that and um yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> there's a few little things there. Like making sure you're not feeling this like burden of responsibility to, to take on things that you don't have time for, or energy or whatever for. Um, you know, being careful about the contracts you make with yourself and with others. And when you recognize that you've made one that is is too far out of side of your scope that that's really going to benefit even you and honestly them also being able to be honest enough first with yourself about it and then having to deal with that like i, I remember I, I worked for this um financial advisor years ago and they told me that they don't like people i'm paraphrasing here and i, I don't give financial advice none of this is advice but they were basically like, they don't like people going through bankruptcy um, if they can like, they'd rather have people go pay off their credit cards. Like just talk about credit card debt. They'd rather people slowly and painfully pay off their credit card debt than go through bankruptcy and like get their debt absolved. 
And the, but the reason why they were saying that was because they want they in the way that they saw it, the those people had to deal with the pain of paying off those cards. Like it was a slow, painful process where they had to sort of reckon with what they did to get themselves into that so that they will learn that lesson and not do that thing again. That was their take upon it. And so I understand that sentiment of, and I'm not talking about just like, I'm saying generally speaking, I'm not talking about credit card debt or any kind of debt. I'm not saying, I'm not making a statement personally based on like whether you should pay off your cards or go through bankruptcy. Like that's not the point of this story. The point is just that like essentially it's a similar thing of like you did make a contract with yourself or you did make a contract with the other, other people and getting out of that is going to be painful. And instead of avoiding it, like you, ha you have to sort of go through the pain of breaking that contract essentially in order for you to narrow your scope and for everyone to really like benefit. And it's painful. And but when you go through it, then you learn that lesson. So then that that way, the next time you're talking to someone and someone says, hey, you want to redo my kitchen? You can say, well, you know, and you, first of all, you evaluate if you have the time, whatever, right? And maybe you increase your prices. You say, well, you know, I do it for this price. But, uh, you know, I, I only do these specific things, right? Like you maybe get much more clear on like what you're willing to do. Um, or you just kind of preference it in the beginning and say like, look, this is, this is a general estimate. Okay. Like once we start this work, things could come up that either you want or that we discover that need to be done in order to finish this job. And those things will cost you more money. So we just want you to know that, like, this is an estimate, you know, and we try our best to keep within it, but that's just not how, you know, like every, generally speaking, like every project has curveballs, things that come up and, you know, things that you decide you want. Maybe you want to change something, you know, or, or we discover like that we have some, issue with uh, inventory or you know the things that we need like the floor tiling we thought we were going to be able to get is, is out of stock you know and we have to do it within this time frame otherwise like you know we can't do it which means we have to switch to like these options or whatever like certainly having gone through like painful experiences like you're, you're going to get better at navigating saying no and setting expectations so that scope does not become too narrow but there is also a difference of like first having that conversation with yourself you know like it has to start with you like if you don't really understand that and believe that and you, maybe if you haven't felt the pain of it or whatever it's like it's going to be easy to just kind of 
allow the scope of life to just be too broad. And so this is why like minimalism is a fun, interesting sort of framework because it's you start to constantly evaluate these things. You're evaluating them, evaluating, evaluating them. As you bring new things in, it's like, okay, well, this is this really fit? Do I do I really have time and capacity for this? And um, and hopefully adjust that way. So hopefully this is interesting. And uh, like I said, please, uh, you know, I really appreciate your comments, your um, audio, your vo voice messages that um, you can leave through. I believe it's through the Spotify app. I believe. Um, and, uh, you know, your, your reviews and things like that, if you're getting value from this or just simply just entertainment, cause that's what this is all about. And I appreciate uh, your time.